This is Celebration Church, but it's more than just a building or a church. We have a calling to be a place where people can find a relationship with God instead of religion. A place where freedom is found and acceptance given, and every person can discover their purpose and experience the kind of fulfillment only God can give. Together we will raise, lead, and empower a generation to change the world. Here, Jesus is famous, and all the glory goes to God. This is celebration. This is our family. Welcome home. Good morning. Welcome to Celebration Church. Let's all stand together as our campus is joined with us over in uh, Stevens Point and the uh, Fox Valley. Let's recite together the Apostles' Creed. This is our statement of faith. This is who we are and what we believe at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Good to have you with us today as we start the beginning of Holy Week. Today is Palm Sunday, uh, and then this week coming up to Easter Sunday morning. Uh, this is the uh, most significant time of the Christian calendar and we're glad that you're joining us today. And glad for those of you who are still joining at home. Nice to be back to two services this morning. Pretty cool. So uh, we're getting kind of crammed in here. <laughs> but we better finally break things up. So uh, uh, we're happy to be doing this. Uh, before we go any further, we want to take our offering. Now we're not passing buckets and stuff today uh, because of all the pandemic stuff and bugs and germs and everybody discombobulated about all that. So if you would like to give an offering, you can give on the way out today from our campuses. There will be people at the doors with uh, buckets and stuff, and you can give cash or check at that time. Uh, or a lot of people give online. Most of our people give online, actually. Many have uh, signed up for recurrent giving, which is a great blessing to us. And others give by phone. Can you have my phone there? Danelle, I should have brought it with me. Give a hand for my lovely assistant. My sister-in-law, the in-laws are here. I have to behave myself. Uh, give online. The way that you do that is you can text a message to, and this is, I'm going to do it. <laughs> if I can find the right buttons here. All right, 77977. Is that right? Yes. That is the number that you're going to send a text message to. And then in the message part, you put CCWI, which stands for Celebration Church Wisconsin, space, and then the dollar amount, and hit send. So you may all play with your phones right now. And boom, there it went through. So very cool. And that's that. Makes it very easy to give. And my lovely assistant can have my phone back. <laughs> there you go. Thank you, dear. All righty then. Uh, and thank you for your continued uh, support of the church. The church has been doing great because of your faithfulness, and we are so grateful for that. 
this morning, looking uh, at this event that we celebrate that happened on this day some 2,000 years ago, we call it Palm Sunday. We read about it in Luke, the 19th chapter, starting at verse 29. When he had come near Bethpage, talking about Jesus and Bethany, at the place called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of the disciples, saying, Go into the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find tied there a colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it here. Now I have to understand, at some levels, this is theft. <laughs> right? I mean, and this is severe. You know, I remember back in the cowboy days, they'd, they'd hang you if you took somebody's horse. I mean, so he said, you're going to see this colt there? Yeah, okay, go up to it, yeah, and untie it, okay, and then take it. What? Uh, and that's what he tells them to do. And he says, if anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Just say this, the Lord needs it. So those who were sent departed and found it as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, the owners asked, what are you doing? <laughs> and they, they said, well, the Lord needs it. And then they were good with that. And I would love to know the backstory on this, right? How does this happen? There's so many things the Bible does not tell us. And uh, uh, you can only just imagine, I don't know, maybe they had a dream that this would happen. Maybe, you know, who knows how this happened. All of a sudden, they say, well, the Lord needs it. And they went, oh, okay. And they just let him take it. Uh, so anyway, they brought it to Jesus. And after throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. As he rode along, people kept spreading their cloaks on the road. As he was now approaching the path down from the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the deeds of power that they had seen, saying, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. So it says all of a sudden people started celebrating with a loud voice. Now that makes people a little nervous when people in church get loud. You know, we don't believe in getting loud in church at all, unless you're in the green and gold cathedral. These very same people have no problem getting loud. Woo! Cheery on their team. That's all appropriate, but in church we should, you know, be quiet. God is ticked off. Let's not get him angry. And, and that's not the way it is. That's why we celebrate. Some people get a little loud and louder than others. But this is the whole people started going nuts. And they're all yelling and screaming. This is amazing. Now, what's happening here? This is the single boldest move that Jesus made in his ministry. Now, this is just a week out from when he is crucified. Up to this point, he does incredible miracles, and overwhelmingly, he tells people, keep it on the down low. Don't tell anybody who I am, Don't, which is very strange, because a lot of them did it anyway. be hard not to, uh, but uh, he was always kind of keeping it on, on the down low. But this day, this is an incredibly bold thing. Say, well, why is that? We have to understand uh, the history of the people that he's there. He's there with the Jewish people. They were expecting the Messiah. One of the prophecies of the Messiah, uh, we're going to flip back into the Old Testament and read it. This is uh, the prophet Zechariah in the ninth chapter, in the ninth verse. This is one of these things that was prophesied. Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Zion. Of course, they were certainly shouting that day. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. So they were aware of this prophecy. These people were very versed in these scriptures as children. 
Uh, they're, you know, it's, they're, it's drilled into them. They know uh, how much they understood what this really me- meant and how it was all going to happen. Uh, you know, who knows about that? But all of a sudden, here, you know, all this excitement is about Jesus. He's doing these miracles and stuff like that. And, 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 and all of a sudden, here he comes into this. And, and this is a real exciting time in the Jewish calendar, the Passover. And there are multitudes of people. Uh, inside and outside the camp. They're camped all around the outside of the city. There wasn't enough room for them inside. Uh, and just, they're, they're covering the, the countryside, the hillside, which uh, I was in Israel a few years ago. It's, you can just imagine that area all being filled with people. It's quite, quite an impressive sight. And now he comes riding on a donkey and everyone starts to put two and two together. And they're starting to realize, oh my goodness, this is it. This is him. And they start celebrating and praising and shouting, as it says here in this prophecy. Now, the symbolism here is extremely powerful and does not go unnoticed by the authorities. Uh, it's, uh, um, we continue to read in Luke there. It says, some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, teacher, order your disciples to stop. Stop this. I mean, they're all freaking out. They know what's going on. They're seeing this symbolism. You know, symbolism is a very powerful thing in all kinds of cultures, whether something that we expect to come in the future, something that's happened in the past. As Americans, one of the great uh, symbolic uh, events in our nation's birth was George Washington crossing the Potomac, right? We all remember that we see these paintings. If anybody tried to duplicate that, all hell would break loose. Can you imagine if Joe Biden got on a boat tomorrow and floated across as Kamala's paddling, you know, uh, people on the right would have a conniption fit. And if Donald Trump would have done that, oh, dear Jesus. <laughs> they didn't like it when he went to the bathroom, but he does something like this. Uh, they would have gone apoplectic if he'd have been standing there. The anger, the front, because it's such a powerful symbol in our culture. Well, this is the same thing's happening here. This is a powerful symbol of the Messiah coming, and up to this point, nothing like this has been done, and then all of a sudden on this day, here comes Jesus. The crowd is yelling, screaming, praising him, and the, the Pharisees are flipping out. And they tell him, tell your disciples to stop this. And Jesus answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the stones themselves would shout out. So on this day, the beginning of this holy week that we are reflecting on, shouts of praise are ringing everywhere. But by the end of the week, cries of crucify him will echo throughout the city walls. Now, there's some debate as to whether or not these were the same people. Most preachers and pastors and theologians or whatever tend to say that it was the same people. I'm of the opinion it was not. I just, I know people are fickle. But how do you go from that to killing? Uh, but they say, you know, who knows? I don't know. No one really knows. The reason I don't think is, is just because a whole bunch of people are saying, I don't think everybody followed Jesus. It's highly unlikely uh, you know, again, politicians, they can have a big rally downtown with thousands of people screaming for Donald Trump. That doesn't mean everybody in town is a Trump supporter. Or there can be thousands of people downtown screaming for Joe Biden. <laughs> okay, that's mean. I'm oh, sorry. I'm oh, sorry. That's hard to even imagine that. But let's say they did. 
And, and, and uh, it wouldn't mean that everybody in town is a Biden supporter. It just, it just doesn't work that way. The fact that thousands of people are screaming and yelling for Jesus this way, it's highly unlike that. Everybody thought that. Uh, my guess is that those who oppose Jesus toward the end of the week were the ones who gathered and started screaming this. But one has to ask themselves, is it possible? Can people go from a great moment of faith and celebration to complete disappointment and frustration and anger? And the answer, of course, is yes, they can. How can this happen? Well, it happens to people when they forget who is at the center of faith. God is at the center of faith. It's not about us. We are here to worship him. And a lot of times, you know, especially in our present culture, we live in a very narcissistic culture where everything's about me, 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 I, 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 I. Uh, and and there's even, it, it seeps into a Christian culture as well. In fact, there are some worship songs, and I don't want to make a big deal out of this because at least people are singing, and, and I know what they're trying to sing, but... Some of these contemporary worship songs are filled with I, I, me, me, my, my, e, e, I, 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 my, 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 I think, who are we worshiping here? You know, and I get it. They're singing about what God has done for them, and that's fine, and the pastor won't have a fit when we do that, but it does creep me out a little bit, for heaven's sakes. You know, this is not about us. This is about him. Somebody say amen. amen. Okay, so how does this happen? How can people turn... From great faith to great disappointment in God. Well, number one, uh, people can go from Hosanna to crucify him when, number one, they don't get what they want. This is a biggie uh, in the Christian experience. People ask me, Pastor, does God answer every prayer? And I say, yes, he does. And they'll say, then how come I don't get what I want? Because sometimes the answer is no. Amen. All right? How many of you have children? Yes. Is it good to give them everything they ask? No, the children would disagree. Gimme, 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 me, 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 me. You know, it's just not every parent in the world knows this. Until you're a grandparent, and then you just don't care. <laughs> and and you give them everything just to torture the parents. So, which is a great joy in my soul, I must say. So anyway, but you can't just give them everything all the time. It is not good for them, and it's the same with us. Uh, but sometimes faith gets into a place where it's just about what I can get. You know, there are multitudes of people that followed Jesus. At the height of his ministry, the most people that were just clamoring over the top of him was after he had turned, uh, you know, these few pieces of bread and fish and fed the whole multitudes. And boy, were they excited then. And they were clamoring everywhere. Jesus in the gospel, we read in John, the 16th, 6th chapter and the 26th verse, Jesus said, very truly, I tell you, you're looking for me, not because you saw the signs, the miracles, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. He said, I know what's going on here. You're just excited because you want another free meal, you know? And that's when things got really excited. And then Jesus started getting tough with them. And he said, you know, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood. Now, they knew what he was. They, were, they didn't think he was talking about cannibalism. And they certainly didn't know anything about communion like we will celebrate today. Uh, but he, they knew that what he's saying is you have to have total uh, connection to who I am. And that's when they started turning away from him in large numbers. Uh, a lot of people aren't, aren't aware of this. There were at times where Jesus turned to his 12 disciples and said, you guys going to leave too? You know? 
And I said, no, we, you know, where are we going to go? You know, you have the words of eternal life. So um, it was really popular when people were getting what they wanted. And it's not always about us. Um, sometimes the way we pray is uh, very selfish. Uh, James, the fourth chapter, verse three, he writes to the Christians there, he says, when you ask, you do not receive. Now, this is a little shocking because Jesus is asking, you will receive. Uh, but you have to understand, from Jesus' standpoint, he's thinking of purity of heart. <laughs> Jesus was pretty pure in his heart. And so James says, you know, you ask and you don't receive. You know why? Because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. And that's when uh, prayers are not getting answered. So we should follow and worship God because of his great grace towards us, not just for what we can get from him. And, uh, and sometimes people, when they're not getting what they want, they become very angry towards God and frustrated, and all of a sudden they go from Hosanna to crucify him. Um, by the way, uh, make no mistake, uh, God's blessings are very, very real. And walking as a Christian and trusting in him is an amazing experience in the blessings that you have. I think, I was thinking this morning, I was, I was, you know, I cannot live without God's blessings in my life. And then I thought, actually I can. People do it all the time. I dare say most people listening to me all over the place right now live without God's blessings. In them. People who aren't in church this morning, I guarantee you they're living without God's blessings. In them. They can, they can do it, but ew, what an icky way to live. Where everything is hard all the time. You're always climbing uphill. Things never go for you. It's always going against you. And everybody's fighting and clawing out there. And, Ick, I don't want to live that way. It's awful. I choose to follow God and live in his blessings. One of the main reasons that people struggle, even in, in the Christian faith, if you start doing things that are contrary to what the scripture says, God's blessings will stop in your life. And you know what happens? Your life gets really hard. Really, really. Now, life is always a little hard. And I'll talk about that in just a minute. But I'm just talking just unreasonably hard. It's just like nothing ever works. Uh, why should we turn to God? Because at some point, you got to get sick and tired of being sick and tired. I love the fact that when God is on my side, my life is pretty great. Not that it's without trouble or anything like that, but I mean, it's what you can experience God's. When God is on your side, it's like having Superman as your best friend. All right, things seem to go really, really well. And I love that. I don't want to live. I, can't, I couldn't live, live without God's blessings. I choose not to. The reason I want to follow the scriptures and follow God is I want his blessings in my life. And if you think you can live your life without God's blessings, the truth is you can. But why would you want to do that? It's just, ugh, what a horrible way to live. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn of me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Man, that's where I want to live. He says, for my yoke is easy, my burden is light. There's some work to it, but it's way easier than doing it without God in your life. People can go from Hosanna to crucify him when, secondly, something goes very badly for them either to them or to others, and they don't understand it because they don't understand who God is. Uh, and then they get very frustrated. People say, well, if there's a God, why did he let that happen? If there's a God, why did he let that happen? You know, the lady, well, if there's a God, why did he let that crazy person shoot all these innocent people? Listen, when you see something bad like that, it's not because it's not a sign there's no God. It's a sign that there is evil in the world. 
All right? If you believe this, there's a God and there's also a devil. There is good and there is evil. And if you think evil is not real, you are delusional. It is very, very real. And we see these things as it's a sign that we live in a world that has turned its back on God. You have to remember, we live in a fallen race. And thank God for his grace that came to save us from all this insanity. But evil is still very real and present with us. Uh, Jesus said, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. So there's always trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Sometimes bad things happen, and sometimes bad things happen to really good people. And you say, why is that? that I don't know, I don't have answers for all of these things. I just know that God is faithful. It was about a year ago that uh, uh, Derek Hallam uh, died in a, in a car rush, just a, a wreck, unexpectedly. It was shocking. If anybody knew this young man, he was the sweetest guy with a sweet family. The whole Hallam family, is, they're just gold. And why something so horrible would happen to some people who are so good, it's hard to understand. But you know what's amazing about these people? They, they stay in faith. They still love God. They're faithful. They're just, I mean, this is a great testimony that in the midst of great sorrow and heartache, they still choose to follow Jesus. Say, why did all this stuff happen? I don't know. Someday we will know. And I'm pretty sure that the first thing people are going to say when they get to heaven is, oh. (laughs) Sometimes people get angry at God. And I've heard, I don't know who the first preacher who was that must have preached a sermon that said it's okay to get angry at God. It had to be someone highly respected. I don't know who it was. Because the way it works in, in, in church world, somebody really super, you know, leading, you know, guy that everybody looks up to preaches some sermon, then all the other preachers preach it, you know, for the next 30 years. Because uh, I, I don't know about when I was 20 years old or maybe 30, all of a sudden I started hearing all these sermons. That is okay to get, how many of you heard sermons like that? You know, it's okay to get angry with God. Okay. And I was like, what? Who came up with this? What, you, you get angry at God? Listen, I've messed up. I've done a lot of crazy things, bad things, stupid things, things I deeply regret. But I don't ever remember getting angry at God. If you get angry at God, you don't quite understand how this works. God is the creator of the universe. You are... Okay? And when gets mad at the universe, you're a little crazy. Why are we getting mad at God? You think that... Things ought to go a certain way, and if he doesn't, you get mad. Man, I'm telling you, I know people experience this. You start experiencing something, you're in a bad place, and you need to uh, step back and reevaluate. People will go from Hosanna to crucify him just when things can get hard. And as we pointed out, Jesus said, things can get hard. Uh, As soon as they're under any kind of trouble, they give up on their faith. Uh, Jesus talked about this, he gave a parable about. Uh, faith, and he, he said that a, a, a farmer was throwing seeds, and some seeds grew and stuff, and some didn't do so well. One he says here in Mark the sixth chapter, verse sixteen: Others, like seeds sown on rocky places, hear the word, and and at once they receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. As soon as trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Jesus said in Luke the ninth chapter. Uh, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. Uh, 
you know, while I know it confuses people, we talk about the blessings of God and it is true and it's real and it energizes your life. But I hope don't, people don't misunderstand. We're not saying life gets easy. It never gets easy, you know? I mean, that's why this is not heaven. We are not, you know, people get mad because, you know, everything doesn't always go perfect. Well, I pray and I know, I understand that and it's great. But don't get angry at God and don't give up on your faith. No one ever promised you if, if they have, I, I apologize for them. Coming in faith doesn't mean that everything always goes perfectly. What it means, God's blessing, is things will go for you instead of against you. doesn't mean you can just sit around and just do nothing. You still have to stand up in faith. Jesus said you got to take up your cross daily. Now, when he says this, this had to be really shocking to people. You see, we reread these things. We read it after the fact. We understand the cross and Jesus. But at this point, he hadn't died on the cross. They don't know what he's talking about. The cross was an instrument of, of death. It was the ultimate way of, of executing someone. It'd be like some peach, somebody coming along and said, you know, unless you pick up your electric chair and follow me, you can't be my disciple. Well, what the heck is that? I mean, I don't think they understood what he was talking about. But we now do understand. We understand that at some point we have to deny ourselves. It's not about all always getting what we want the way we want it. And when some, all that starts filling in and we get too centered on ourselves, or we start, you know, there's a lot of people who disagree with teachings in the Bible. They do. The Bible says you should live this way, don't live that way, and then and they, they get mad at the Bible and they think they're smarter than God. I always get impressed by young people who are that smart that suddenly, who knew? Thousands of years of human history and you figured out the right way. <laughs> I just like, you know, the arrogance that we get in our heads sometimes can be very poisonous. Don't think in those terms. You have to realize, look, God is God. We need to honor him and respect him. We need to reflect on the scriptures. And the more you decide to align your life with the way he says to live your life, the more blessed you will be, the more successful you will be. Will you have troubles and all that stuff? Yes, I get it. My life has not been one unending, joyous experience. There have been times when I've gone through great sorrow, great heartache, and great pain. But you know, through all of it, Jesus was there with me. The Spirit of God was always there with me. It encouraged me. So I just can't imagine living life without that. And the fact that so many people do is stunning to me. I don't know where they get the energy. Because even doing it with God's help, this can be exhausting. <laughs> I don't even know what I'm talking about. Like, Are people go like this? They live with, the, you know, uh, my wife getting cancer, dying. I'm this far from her when she looks at me and boom, she's gone, slips in. That was hard. And I think people do this without God. Everything's on their own energy, their own strength. It's stunning to me people can get up and move from day to day. And there's no doubt that so many people have give up today and suicide rates are climbing and stuff because they are trying to do everything on their own and at some point it's virtually impossible. Thank God for who Jesus is. And that because of his sacrifice on the cross, we can have forgiveness of sins. We can have God's blessings in our life. We can experience where we can now go from Hosanna till the end of next week that he is risen instead of Hosanna and then giving up and crucify him. Amen. All right, all you loud people. All right, so <laughs> let's turn to our time of communion this morning. This is when we reflect on what all of this is about. And let me encourage you to be part of our uh, Good Friday service. It's one of the most meaningful services every year that we do. This Friday, what time does it start? One o'clock. Uh, it's, uh, it's like a 40, 45 minutes. It's not very long. 
but to where we just reflect on that day that Jesus was crucified is very powerful. And he did all this so that we could have forgiveness of sins. He allowed his body to be broken, his blood shed, so that we could have eternal life as we put our trust and faith in him. So he encourages us uh, in the scriptures, whenever you do this, do this in remembrance of me. And that's what we're going to do now. And and the Bible says, well, Paul was writing about this. He says uh, in 1 Corinthians, the 11th chapter, he said, whoever uh, eats and drinks of the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be answerable for the body and the blood of the Lord. He says, examine yourselves and only then eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For all who eat and drink without discerning the body eat and drink judgment against themselves. Well, that's something you definitely don't want to do. So with those words in mind, uh, let's bow our heads and allow me to pray a prayer of forgiveness over all of you. And as I pray this prayer, maybe something will come to your mind where you just need to ask God forgiveness. Uh, you think it's something specific. specific. Uh, just whisper that out as we pray this prayer together. Heavenly Father, before we partake of the bread and the cup this morning, And in obedience to the scriptures, we pause to examine ourselves. If we've sinned against you in any way, thought, word, or deed, something we did that we shouldn't have done, something we didn't do that we should have done, maybe we haven't loved people like we love ourselves, we ask for the sake of your beloved son, Jesus, who gave himself as a sacrifice for our sins, that you'd have mercy on us and forgive us of our sins. Strengthen us in all goodness and by the power of your Holy Spirit, Keep us in eternal life that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. And while your heads are still bowed, maybe if you're, you're, you're new to faith this morning, listen to me online at home or in one of our campuses, and you're thinking, you know, this all sounds great, but I've never really experienced anything like this. You can do that right now. If you'll just ask God to come into your life, just ask him to forgive you of all your sins and to come into your life. And if you will do that, you can start experiencing your first steps of faith today and begin to experience this breathless wonder that we celebrate that Christ loved us in spite of ourselves and that you can get under God's blessings and have his help and power in your life instead of trying to do life on your own. 